let me tell you about a life-changing elixir of the gods. I'm talking about Strava Craft Coffee. I'm telling you it will change your life. If you're like me and you drink a lot of coffee, you have noticed those negative side effects. I don't even get jittery that much, but it happens. It can mess with your stomach. It can make you feel run down later on. You can have the crash. As much as we love our coffee, we know all of these things are going to come with it. But you know what? Not with Strava. It has changed my life. It has made me a far more productive and awake and less shaky person as I deal with whatever I've got to deal with throughout the day. Some of these people on Twitter, grab that Strava. It's rich in CBD. It's great coffee that you can purchase in either K-Cups for your Keurig. You can get whole bean, you can ground it yourself, or you can get it ground. Whatever way you take your coffee, they will ship it to you. It's delicious. There's all kinds of different uh, flavors that you can get, and it's good for you. It's actually good for you. I can personally vouch for the health benefits of CBD-infused products, particularly Strava Craft Coffee, that can really help to set uh, my equilibrium. It's good for you. You can try it if you want down at Carbon Cafe and Bar Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, uh, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. It's non-psychoactive, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about any of the things that you may have heard uh, about what this crazy CBD stuff is. Is it marijuana? No, it's not any of those things. It's not psychoactive. Uh, you're not going to feel weird or different. It doesn't affect you that way. It's just something that isn't going to give you all of the terrible things that you can oftentimes get from regular coffee. And it's going to help with things like long-term migraines. It's helped me a great deal. Decreasing anxiety. Again, I can personally vouch for this. Arthritis, I get, I get achy. I, I've, I've been a tall guy for a very long time. I had a bad back issues. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not making this up because they're a sponsor, though it's awesome and we love them. Strava Craft Coffee is phenomenal for all of these things. So remember to purchase online for 20% off using code DNVR20. DNVR presents... The pitch is hit again to left field. It's got a chance. It's gone! Minor League Mondays. Your weekly look at some homegrown guys who are trying to make their way up to the big leagues. And here's your host, Patrick Lyons. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast, presented by Mile High Green Cross and their award winning products. Everyday low prices on in-house products, and a monthly loyalty program that allows you to receive 20% off your entire purchase once a month. They're located conveniently on 9th and Broadway. Park in the back. Tweet at us when you head in there, and they will hook you up. Again, sign in for their loyalty program to receive 20% off your entire purchase once a month. And this offer extends to current members too. Welcome to the working week. Yes, we're back. 
and keeping the train moving along through all of this craziness. I am Patrick Lyons, your host for Minor League Monday. Follow me at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. And it's going to be a little unorthodox. We had something in plan based upon the prospects that the Rockies have been seeing popping up on top 30 and top 100 lists all across various publications online and otherwise, and a little thing called the coronavirus, COVID-19, happened to not just baseball, not just the United States and North America, but the entire world. We're dealing with that now, and we're going to get you through it on the DNVR Rockies podcast. It's going to be myself, it's going to be Drew Creaseman at Drew Creaseman on Twitter, and we're going to do everything we can to keep you busy, keep you occupied each and every day, Monday through Friday, with our fantastic coverage now of just, you know, baseball. And we're going to do that, and we're going to have a good time doing that. So this week, I thought we'd take a look at some of the impact, not just the coronavirus has had on minor league baseball, but various different natural occurrences or natural disasters, if you would. Now, before Major League Baseball this week, postponed the season, along with the NBA postponing the NHL, Major League Soccer postponing their season on Wednesday night of last week. Major League Baseball said that they were going to suspend spring training, as well as suspend the first two weeks of the regular season. They've now kind of pushed that back even further to say, you know, maybe May would be great. Now we're hearing it might be even closer to Memorial Day. A lot needs to happen in order for us as a society to get back to the typical norms like going out to a bar even, going out to a sporting event, going out to any event in which there's more than 50 people gathering. This is uh, quite a game changer to say the least. So No Major League Baseball, no Minor League Baseball, no sports really of any kind. And before this decision was made, certain cities, Seattle being one of them, obviously they were kind of uh, at the heart of all of this breaking out in the United States, there in the state of Washington. They had undergone certain discussions to play their games at an alternative site. And there was even some talk that, you know, maybe they would play some games outside of the general Seattle area, possibly to no fans. There's about 20 different states in the U.S. that have never hosted a major league game. Going from west to east, generally speaking, those states are Alaska, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, North Dakota, South Dakota, New Mexico, Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vermont, New Hampshire, and last but not least, the great state of Maine. Well, all of that is is relatively moot, um, unless it's something that needs to be revisited, that when baseball does come back and tries to schedule a slate of games, it's going to be on a modified schedule. Could see doubleheaders played here and there, but... Uh, If fans are allowed into into the ballpark, it's probably best um, to limit doubleheaders as, you know, uh, once we start getting back to thinking about uh, revenue and and, and making a profit off the game and off fans, doubleheaders are not a good 
profit and, and, and moneymaker because you're getting two for the price of one. You want people to leave and come back over and over again as many times as possible. It's one reason why you don't see doubleheaders as frequently as you did even 20 years ago. Now they are virtually non-existent. They're only going to hold doubleheaders in certain cities in which there's simply not a lot of tickets sold. You can combine both games, roll them into one, or roll them into one price of admission, and you're going to you know, make, make, make just as much as you would have had you held the game one in the one in the afternoon, one in the evening, a twi-night doubleheader, as it's called, or a day-night doubleheader. So it, that's something that has gone away. Maybe we will see some of these locations hosting a regular season game just to try to, to branch out a little bit, maybe do some positive PR work, particularly in certain cities that might be losing their minor league affiliation. As we know, minor league baseball has discussed that and retracting 42 teams. Again, all of this is on hold, and all of this seems virtually irrelevant based on what we have going on in our country today. But I decided to go back and look at certain events in the recent past, at least, in which seasons or teams had to divert fans from their normal locations do things differently. The first one that came to mind immediately was last year, the Quad City River Bandits, team located right there on the border of of Iowa and Illinois. The Quad City's off the top of my head. I know uh, Davenport is one of them, and uh, I I think that's where the, the ballpark is located. And ultimately what happened last year was the Mississippi River flooded everything. It, it, It overflowed in such a way that Quad City was forced to cancel games all the way through May. I've talked with certain people from their organization who explained that they their parking lot is kind of on the other side of a train tracks, and for fans to get to games where when there's flooding going on in that area, which it's relatively common, unfortunately, they have to walk across train tracks in order to get to the actual ballpark. So. Um, it's it's been quite a challenge for some of their fans. It's not the first time that that's happened there. Uh, I also think Quad City is one of those teams on the chopping block because their facility can obviously be impacted so severely. The pictures and images that you'll see of that flooding last year are astounding. Absolutely astounding. Now if we go to uh, 2017, uh, the Southern League Championship game was canceled. Now the Southern League is one of three double A leagues uh, that we have in minor league baseball. In triple A there are only two, the Pacific Coast League and the International League. Double A actually has three. They've got the Southern League, the Texas League, and the Eastern League. Kind of split pretty much a third each. It's about ten in each. I think Texas League actually only has eight and the Eastern League has closer to twelve teams. But Hurricane Irma completely washed away their championship, so teams were essentially forced to kind of be called co-champions. The Southern League also had to cancel their playoffs in 2004 because of Hurricane Ivan. In 2001, they also were forced to have co-champions in the wake of 9-11. That'll be a constant theme that we will talk about again in just a moment. And now the teams in the Southern League, if you haven't already guessed it, are in the southeastern part 
of the United States. You have teams like the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, the Mobile Bay Bears, and Montgomery Biscuits, just to name a few. But just a year prior to Hurricane Irma washing away the 2017 playoffs, the Hartford Yard Goats had quite a unique situation on their hands. A lot of Rockies fans are probably very familiar with this situation already. But in 2016, they were supposed to open this open this brand new state-of-the-art ballpark called Dunkin' Donuts Park. And I've, I was there a couple years ago. It is a fantastic ballpark. The right field line is incredibly shallow. It is shorter than 300 feet and uh, it has a very strange arrangement due, arrangement due to the layout of the, the streets that are there in Hartford. And they had a bit of a problem. The, the company that was supposed to build the stadium, they had some financial issues and they actually halted construction on Dunkin' Donuts Park. And they, there was a major lawsuit. They're still kind of dealing with that now, close to five years later. And the entire 2016 season for the Hartford Yard Goats was played on the road. Now, their home games were played in a completely separate ballpark. So effectively, for their entire 140-game season, they had zero home games. It was it was very rough. In fact, recently, I think Patrick Saunders even wrote an article about David Dahl talking about what it was like to play at stadiums in which there was virtually nobody in the stands. Um, and, and much of that was in reference to that 2016 season for the Hartford Yard Goats. 2017, the stadium was finally completed. And uh, like I said, it's it's a beautiful ballpark. But in 2016, it's it's interesting to think that if you play 140 games on the road, and you're a, a young player and a, and a prospect that's used to having to do certain routines to get themselves in order, it's got to be extremely tough when you're just traveling by bus every single place and you're living out of a suitcase. Yet, there were some pretty impressive seasons by a lot of Rockies prospects at that time. Uh, Ryan Altapia, probably the most impressive. He played 140, excuse me, 104 games that season with Hartford with an 813 OPS was third best on the team. First best if you're talking about most of the regular starters hit 323. David Dahl had the tops of any of the regular players, played 76 games that year. 288 at bats had an 867 OPS, 13 homers, 45 RBIs, again, completely on the road. Pafaleka chipped in with 13 homers, 67 RBIs. That's rather solid because in the Eastern League, there are more, I'm not going to say pitchers' ballparks, but, you know, it it kind of skews more towards the pitcher's favor. I've, I've mentioned on previous Minor League Mondays that the California League, in which the Lancaster Jet Hawks play, is a hitter's league. The ball flies out of those ballpark uh, ballparks like nobody's business. Same thing for the Pacific Coast League. We know that to be quite the hitter's ballpark and in the Eastern League if you look the numbers definitely skew in favor to a lot of the pitchers so you keep that in mind and you say wow Petfaleka had a very good season um, tied for most home runs he was second in RBI that year behind only Ryan McMahon who at 21 years old hit 12 homers 75 RBIs at a 724 OPS so 
probably had a, a bit of a good luck um, hitting in the middle of the lineup with so many guys on base in front of him. So he was still better than uh, team average overall in OPS. A couple other names worth mentioning from there was Noel Cuevas played 50 games. He had the second highest OPS of any player with 50 or more games. On the pitching side, Zach Jimiola had 27 starts. I know a lot of Rockies fans probably haven't heard that name in a minute, but Zach was uh, was really solid. He was the workhorse there, 162 innings, the most by 25-plus innings uh, over Herman Marquez, who in 21 starts had a 2.85 ERA. He was 9-6, and six, had a 1.16 whip. Strikeout per nine was 8.36, which was head and shoulders above any of the other starters for the Yard Goats there. Sam Howard, Kyle Freeland, they made 16 and 14 starts respectively. Antonio Senzatella made seven starts in that god-awful season on the road. Harrison Musgrave made six starts, as well as Yancy Almonte. So a lot of talent on that 2016 Hartford Yard Goat squad that was just unable to ever sit at home with their feet up to relax being at home and enjoying a Breckenridge brew. They were not able to do that, but I know you are. Breckenridge Brewery is our official beer of DNVR. Got to go to the Breck Beer Locator to find out where you can get it in your area. Tweet us when you get some as well. Strawberry Sky is just amazing and you guys already know that if you don't and you're listening to this and you're not familiar with that you got to check out Breckenridge Brewery's Strawberry Sky all their flavors are fantastic everyone's got their own personal favorite you got your own team that you uh, prefer but at the end of the day there's no choosing sides they're all fantastic please again check out Breckenridge Brewery and use their Breck beer locator so you know where to get it in your area and you don't have to really thank me for pointing this out to you. Your smile is all I need. And if you go to Green Mountain Dental Group, that smile will be all the more brighter and whiter. Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood is the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. And just like all y'all. If you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. That is what I use. I might not have the greatest teeth overall, but one thing I do have are clean teeth, and that's thanks to Green Mountain Dental Group and that free Sonicare toothbrush. So tweet at us when you go there. It's only 15 minutes from downtown Denver, and keep in mind that really the first step to good health is taking care of your mouth. It's washing your hands for 20 seconds, but it's also taking care of your mouth. Again, Call for a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental and you will receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, the coronavirus has definitely postponed seemingly life, not just professional sports, but all of life. So when have been some other times? We talked about some strange natural disasters and occurrences in which teams had to change up their plans. Well, the last time that we can remember, and most of us probably can remember, September 11th, 2001, obviously one of the days that will live in infamy. Me being from New Jersey, I was right there. My father worked incredibly closely to the World Trade Center over there in Jersey City, right across the Hudson River. 
and uh, the second plane actually flew right over his head when he was outside. So that messed him up a bit, messed all of us up. Um, no Major League Baseball for six days there between September 11th to the 16th. Finally did return on September 17th. In Minor League Baseball, the playoffs were just canceled and co-champions were declared for most leagues. Usually right around Labor Day is when the regular season ends in Minor League Baseball. So once September 11th occurred, playoffs were pretty much just shut down. In the South Atlantic League, Asheville tourists... They were a Rockies affiliate at the time, and they've been since the Rockies have come about. It's one of the actually longest relationships in baseball between a parent club and a minor league affiliate. Asheville shared the coach championship with the Lexington Legends. Now, in 1994, a player's strike uh, ended up canceling the remainder of the 1994 season. And then at the beginning of 1995, the players were locked out by owners. Some players crossed the picket line, if you were, scabs. Uh, they, they were going to go forward with the season, but thankfully a deal was worked out and the regular season finally did open on April 25th. So that was a delay of 257 days without any games of any sort by real major leaguers. So a lot of you are jonesing for some baseball because, hey, a game hasn't mattered since October. Well, you know, you got to count your blessings where you can get them right now. And it was nice while we had some spring training baseball in February in the early parts of this month. In 1950, in World War II, the Midwest League playoffs were canceled and uh, the championship was wiped clean away due to the military call-ups. World War I in 1918, the Pacific Coast League canceled their season on July 14th due to travel restrictions and, of course, the start of World War One. Well, going back to that concept of alternate site games, if Seattle or some other unfortunate city is unable to host games in their typical ballpark and may need to go elsewhere, well, that's called an alternate site. Major League Baseball, in recent memory, has really only had alternate site games for special events. We know we've got Players Weekend, in which, uh, and in fact, it's called the Little League Classic uh, that takes place just before Players Weekend, where two teams descend upon Williamsport, Pennsylvania, right there in the heart of the Little League World Series every August. That is a fantastic event. There, of course, have been series played in Mexico. Puerto Rico is very common. Uh, we even saw... Um, in the, the mid-2000s, a series played at ESPN where they're located. Uh, they have a facility in, in Orlando. It's, it's actually the Wide World of Sports, ABC Wide World of Sports. But I decided to, to look upon some alternate site events with extenuating circumstances. And the one that comes to mind for most is the first crowdless game in MLB history between the Orioles, and the White Sox on April 29th, 2015. Now, that was due to some civil unrest. There was some rioting and, and things going on in Baltimore after uh, the death of, of Freddie Gray, who was uh, an African-American man critically injured while in police custody. And instead of changing the venue, 
they ultimately said, you know what, we're just going to leave fans out to not attract crowds, to not uh, encourage anyone to do anything crazy. So with about three times as many folks as normally were in the press box, they watched the game, photographers roamed the stands taking pictures, the folks that worked at Camden Yards patrolled the stands to recover the foul balls, a couple scouts were there even in attendance, and it was quite a wild scene. But since then, there was two games that uh, were played at alternate sites because of hurricanes. In August of 2017, Houston, uh, because of Hurricane Harvey, they actually had to move their three-game set with the Rangers to Tropicana Field. And then just a week and a half later, Tampa couldn't play at Tropicana Field because of Hurricane Irma in Florida. So the Rays and the Yankees actually played their three-game set at City Field. Now back in 2008, Houston because that's an area right there that's so close to the Gulf of Mexico. They had to deal with Hurricane Ike. And at this point, they're actually in the National League. So Houston has had to play games at different locations, once in the American League and once in the National League. That's something unique only to them. They're actually playing the Cubs uh, at Miller Park, uh, again, because of, of Hurricane Ike. This is in 2008. They had a two-game set there. Cleveland, this is in 2007. Now, I remember this very clearly because at this point in 2007, my roommate at the time, we were only a couple of blocks. Actually, we were a block and a half from the Atlantic Ocean. He was moving to Half Moon Bay in California, a block and a half from the ocean. His uncle had this amazing house that actually you could see the Pacific Ocean. We got up, and over the course of the next two and a half days, we traversed the entire United States, making driving our job, getting up at 7 a.m. every day, going to bed at like 8 o'clock every single night. And the entire time for those two and a half hours, we dodged bad weather all across the U.S., almost got pushed off the road a few times going through Wyoming. Um, but yes, yeah, snow and cold weather in Ohio actually forced Cleveland um, to play their three-game series against the Angels, who were still the Anaheim Angels at that time, uh, at Miller Park. Again, a domed stadium. It was, it was, weather was bad there too, but thankfully with the retractable dome, they were able to deal with that. And finally, to wrap up the subject of, of hurricanes, Hurricane Ivan in Florida impacted the Marlins and Expos set in 2004. They actually played those games in August at U.S. Cellular Field in Chicago and as it were, and again, in the best case scenario, you hope when you have to change venues because of a potential natural disaster, the hurricane actually did not occur. So thankfully, everyone was fine there in the Marlins family and, and everyone that lives down in southern Florida back in 2004. Well, one naturally occurring disaster that you can avoid is manscaping accidents. They are finally a thing of the past with the help of Manscaped. Thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0, the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, you can use their advanced skin safe technology to make sure the family jewels are safe and sound. We all know how valuable those can be. They're priceless, dare I say, priceless. Get 20% off your entire purchase with Manscaped 
You get free shipping as well when you use the code DNVR20. You're not foolish paying full price. It's still a deal. But you know what? We want to get you 20% off. So use our code DNVR so we can avoid those awful disasters down south. Those of you that came out to our grand opening and, and all weekend of the DNVR bar, we thank you. We've seen people come out and you can purchase some merchandise there. A lot of folks just go online, they buy the shirt, but if you're picky like me and, and you want to go and, and maybe even try a shirt on or if you just want to see in, in what the design looks like in person or feel the texture of the, the shirt, you're going to love the textures that we've got there. Check out the DNVR bar. We are open for right now, and uh, that's where you can go if you want to get some of our sweet merch that we've got. Well, the next alternate site game I want to talk about, actually, I think in some ways is relatable to today. In 2003-2004, the Montreal Expos, due to poor attendance at Olympic Stadium, were essentially forced to play a handful of games in the, for those two years at Hiram Bythorn Stadium in Puerto Rico. Now, I've heard the name of the stadium since I was a kid, Hiram Bythorn Stadium. Like, okay, I don't know who that person is. Maybe he's a politician. No, he, Hiram Bythorn is actually the first Puerto Rican ball player to ever play in the major leagues. Hence, they named their big, beautiful stadium after him. So uh, they played 43 games there, 22 and 23 excuse me, 2003, played 21 and 2004, including three games against the Blue Jays. So that's right, Montreal, Toronto, the two teams in Canada, played a series in Puerto Rico because baseball. As it were, of those, uh, say, 10 series or so, uh, traversing 43 games, none of them were actually against the Rockies. So no Rockies games to report on there. Now we got to go back six years prior to that. 1998, uh, there was actually a structural accident at the original Yankee Stadium. There was some falling concrete and steel. Um, thankfully, it was right before the Yankees were going on the road. So one game against the Anaheim Angels was played at Shea Stadium. 1996, this is interesting and again, relatable to what's going on in the sporting world today. The A's uh, were unable to to play some of their games right at the beginning of the season due to some football renovations at Oakland Alameda County Stadium. It's uh, I've never been to a game there, and I, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm happy about that or not. I, I would have loved to have checked that off my list. I don't know that I will get the chance next year. The Rockies will play the A's. Not, we're not sure if it'll be in Colorado or if it'll be in Oakland, but the AEL West and the NL West teams will come together in 2021. So I'm not sure if I uh, if I want to take that trip and, and see what that place looks like. Uh, I've had an opportunity in the past and uh, passed up on it. So maybe I'll wait for Oakland to get uh, that new stadium that, that they're working on. So Oakland actually had to play six games at Cashman Field which is located in Las Vegas, Nevada. So that is, uh, it's, it's, it was a larger stadium. It, it is no longer uh, in operation as a minor league stadium. The, the team in Las Vegas, formerly known as the 51s, before that they were the Stars. Now they're the Las Vegas Aviators. 
they've uh, got a very, very nice state-of-the-art stadium. They had the, I think they even had the best attendance in all of minor league baseball last season. So it very well could be a location that's used again if an alternative site is needed. All right, so only a few more left. There's only about 16 of these occurrences that have ever happened in the history of baseball. And after 1996, it was 50 years before the last time it had happened. Or should I, I should say 1946, we had an alternate site game, and it was 50 years after that point. So basically Braves Field, which at the time uh, was located in Boston. They were the Boston Braves of the National League, and they actually had two of their games moved to Fenway Park. Um, the repairs were in the beginning of the season, and at that time, there was not a 162-game schedule, so they didn't open until late April at that point. In 1927, so now we're going back another 19 years Philadelphia, the, the Phillies at the time, um, had to play 12 games at Scheib Park uh, due to the collapse at uh, the Baker Bowl in their right field grandstand. Nine years before that was where it got interesting. So the Boston Red Sox in 1915 and 1916. Now they played at Fenway Park at the time. And Braves Field actually could accommodate larger crowds. So for the 1915 and 1916 World Series, the Red Sox actually played their games down the street at Braves Field. Now in 1915, the Red Sox beat the Philadelphia Phillies, and it was actually the Phillies' only World Series before 1950. The Phillies are one of the oldest teams in all of pro baseball, and they've had some of the worst luck Probably some of the worst management, you know, they, they are the ones really to blame when you think about it, but they have not won a lot of championships, uh, but it was their, their only one before 1950, and they won game one of that series, and they were swept the rest of the, the way. It was only, you know, 65 years, that's right, 1980, until the Phillies had won another World Series game. How about that? drought. Now that is a drought. In the 1916 World Series, Red Sox beat the Brooklyn Dodgers. Actually, I think they were the Brooklyn Robins at the time, uh, named for their manager, Wilbert Robinson. And Babe Ruth, he played in both of those World Series. He was predominantly a, a pitcher. Actually, he was only a pitcher at that point, still so young. Get this, in game two, he threw a complete game in which the Red Sox won. He gave up a solo home run to a player named High Myers, H-I, High Myers in the first inning. Then he proceeded to throw 13 innings of scoreless baseball. You heard that right. <laughs> the Red Sox beat the Brooklyn Robins in 14 innings. Babe Ruth threw all 14 innings, pitched a shutout after giving up a run in the top of the first. That is insane. That is insane. All right. Uh, now, in the 1915 season, the Boston Braves played their games in Fenway because Braves Field was opening up. So the timeline is very tricky. Basically, the Boston Braves in the National League 
getting a brand new stadium in 1915. It took too long, so they played at Fenway Park. Later on that season, Braves Field was constructed. It was very nice. It was much larger than Fenway Park. So the Red Sox game shifted from Fenway to Braves Field. Then later on down the line, when they were making repairs on Braves Field because it was now going on 31 years, they were making repairs. They The Boston Braves went back to Fenway Park. So that's the timeline of professional baseball in stadiums at alternate sites in Boston. So uh, at the time, again, Boston Braves, they were getting a new uh, field. Um, their, their location at the south end grounds was just too small. And the interesting thing was, so they played the entire season at Fenway Park, and that team in 1915... I don't think I've read a book on them. I, I've I've passed it up at the library and I've passed up purchasing it. I don't think that's one of the few eras that I don't uh, I didn't quite dig into um, as much, and I, I haven't read anything about them. But they're called the Miracle Braves, and they were called the Miracle Braves because on the Fourth of July of that year, 1915, they were in last place. They came back to win the World Series that year. Now. This is actually, I've seen this disputed in different areas, but it's essentially the reason why Cleveland is called the Indians. Now, at the time, they were called the Cleveland Naps, named after their player manager, Napoleon Lajway. And prior to being the Cleveland Naps, they were the Cleveland Blues and Cleveland Spiders. They had a player named Louis Sokalexis who played in Cleveland from 1897 to 1899, back when they were in the National League. And he was always the guy who was kind of given credit for why Cleveland changed their name to the Indians because he was born of the Penobscot tribe in Maine. And that was why oh, they, they called themselves the Indians because a Native American had played for them and they went with that. We all know about Chief Wahoo and how politically incorrect that is. But ultimately, I think it was it was mainly more due to the success and the fact that, hey, the Miracle Braves which is, again, a, a nod towards Native Americans, that Cleveland said, hey, let's go with Indians. We, we had a player who was a Native American who played in our franchise, so why don't we do that and kind of capitalize on the success of the name Braves? So uh, that, that kind of all is in the genesis from alternate site games and, and everything we're dealing with right now. The other two things uh, worth mentioning, in 1903, the first time there had ever had been an alternate site game the Phillies had to play their games at Columbia Park uh, due to a structural accident at the Baker Bowl but the last and final event I'll tell you and drop a little piece of knowledge on you hopefully you're enjoying this bit of a of a history lesson and a look forward to you know what we can hope is is baseball in the the next two months that might be wishful thinking but uh, if that happens, Major League Baseball is no stranger to playing games in different locations than where the home team typically resides. So this last one in 1911 is um, near and dear to my heart and interesting. The Yankees, excuse me, no, the New York Giants in 1911, they had to play their entire 1911 season at Hilltop Park in Manhattan uh, due to a fire at the one of the original polo grounds. Now, Hilltop Park was home of the New York Highlanders because it sat atop a hill in the Washington Heights section of Manhattan. Now, who are the New York Highlanders? Well, from 1903 to 1912, the American League team 
in New York at the time was called the Highlanders because of that, again, that ballpark that sat atop the hill at Hilltop Park. But because the name Highlanders was so long and was hard to, to get into headlines in the New York newspapers, the journalists started abbreviating that to just the Americans, right? Because they were the lone team in New York, the, the Americans. Um, and they would abbreviate that even further to Yanks because that now was only five letters. So you talk about a character limit on Twitter. Well, they were dealing with that back in the early 1900s. And eventually they said, yeah, you know what? Yanks really seems to fit here, this team in the North. And in 1913, they officially adopted the name of the New York Yankees. So um, that's a little history lesson for you there. And if you want to learn a little bit more about the history of baseball, well, you are in luck because... Drew and I have, this was Drew's idea, I got to give him the credit for it. We, we kind of hashed it out, we figured out how we might be able to make this work. Thankfully, PBS and Ken Burns, through his suggestion, the entire documentary of Ken Burns' baseball has been made available online to watch. All nine innings, each essentially covering a decade of baseball's history, has been made available for free. And since you guys are kind of used to having a game to watch each and every night and an activity to do, well, the activities are done. But we can do things as a group, as a community online and Watching Ken Burns baseball is going to be one of those things. We'll watch it. We'll sit down. We'll live tweet. You'll learn a little bit more about some of the interesting players in baseball history. Did Abner Doubleday really invent the game? Who was Mike King Kelly? He's one of my most favorite people. Not to mention Walter Johnson, Grover Cleveland Alexander, a.k.a. Old Pete. There are some amazing stories to be told in the game of baseball, and we're going to do it all together. We're going to learn a little bit about it together as the DNVR community. And as a community, we have to support locally owned businesses, and Bojo's is that place for you. It's the one place you can get the true Colorado mountain pie. Again, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza that you can get. I know you can go there, order a pizza, pick it up if you want to take it home. Mention DNVR and you'll get free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. So definitely tap into that. They do DoorDash. That's huge right now. They've got six different locations all over. Gluten-free, cheeseless pizza, plant-based options, whatever your dietary restrictions might be, they are going to be a major source in helping you get through these times. Please mention DNVR so you can get some free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree, all right? Well, last but not least, our sports column question of the week is pretty simple. What can we at DNVR Rockies do to help you? What can we do to help you get through this period that we are all going through, that we're all dealing with? Eventually, it will come to self-isolation. We will have to quarantine ourselves. We'll be able to go out to the grocery store to the pharmacies to get our medication but in the meantime when we're not working from home what can we do to pass the time 
Well, you've got us. What do you want to see? Drew's been doing a good job on social media, at Drew Kreisman, also at DNVR underscore Rockies, to try to get some feedback from y'all if you want us to to look at movies and documentaries. I know we just did uh, the movie bracket. We didn't really watch all of them and talk about them incredibly in-depth. Sure, we dedicated a good 20 minutes to each of them, but man, there's a lot more left on the bone, a lot more meat on the bone. So do you want that? Do you want us to watch games and cover those again and focus on those highlights? Do you want to talk about some of the comic book movies that's one a big thing for drew we both like pro wrestling that's something that we can all do together you let us know what you want what do you like we're definitely down to get into something new too so definitely don't be afraid to throw out a suggestion like that so you're going to do that at the dnvr.com where this gets posted and uploaded go ahead leave your comments there leave your responses What can we at DNVR Rockies and DNVR as an entire company do for you? What do you want to see from us? What do you want? We're going to get through this together. It's the start of the working week. It's the start of something brand new that we're all going to get through together. Again, I'm Patrick Lyons at Patrick D. Lyons. My homeboy, Drew Creaseman at Drew Creaseman on Twitter. We are at DNVR underscore Rockies. Thank you for listening in. Be safe. Be well. We'll see you on the other side. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.